You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitor is it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. Uh, wines, I find them extremely helpful in ha- helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. Before we jump into today's show, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right, you simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time! Tipped in front by Mika Rantanen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes, and you can use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. It's a Thursday episode today. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley, as always. We're back to just the two of us for today's episode. 
And while it might not be the RFA news you want to hear, we finally have a couple of pieces starting to move. Things are starting to get done in that market. Clayton Keller has signed his deal. $7.15 million over eight years, I believe. Yep. So one contract is done. If you're asking me, that feels a bit on the high side for someone with Keller's track record, which is not a long one to this point. AJ, what do you think about this deal, and and what are the ripple effects we're going to see? You know, I'd feel a lot better about it had his seasons been flipped. Yeah, if had this was gone, the sixty point year, had he right. gone forty seven sixty five, yeah, I would feel like, hey, they're they're it's a it's a little heavy uh, early on, but you're feeling like if he gets to sixty five consistently, he's on the up and up. It's yeah, yeah I, I mean, really, if he gets to sixty five consistently. Regardless of how many goals he scores, however he gets there, right. you know, I think that's that's you know seven might be a touch much, but not not a lot. Complaining about yeah. it, yeah, right? yeah. You're not looking at that as any kind of an albatross. You know, I'm I'm way more concerned about Nick Schmaltz, for example, making five point eight for them. Yeah, they like, have a couple of questionable contracts yeah, well, on those and, books. And Dvorak is signed until he's dead, apparently. Um, and and although that's like less than $5 million, like you feel like you have a good chance to recoup value there. But with Keller, the real question is, is like, what is he long-term? Right, exactly. You, you know, is he is he their number one center long-term? I mean, because if he is, why did you just draft Barrett Hayton yep. at five? Yep. If you had that much faith in Barrett Hayton, yeah, it's it's tough to not see him slotting in as your eventual one C, but now you're paying Keller seven million. Right? Is now is Keller now your second line center, or is he going to move to the wall and play next to Hayton? Like, what? My my question is mostly just like, what's the long term vision? Because that's where when anytime we get into Arizona, uh, that's where that they kind of lose me. Uh, is I I just don't feel comfortable with what they've built and what they're paying for. You know, they've we're, we're talking they've got several guys under long-term deals now. And I get like Arizona kind of has the Winnipeg problem they where do. yeah. They've got to commit hard to guys uh to to get them to stay in that market and to be willing to play there because it is a it is a difficult environment for guys. You know, the the stands not always very right. full. Your ownership situation feels like it's constantly in flux. You talk about moving arenas every single year. Right. Like, And it's impossible as a player. Like, You do your best to block it out, but you're human. Yeah. You're going to hear that. And how much easier would it be to go to an environment where it just doesn't exist? Right. You're, you're set. Nothing's going to change as far as the structure of the organization goes. Yeah. And this is what your life is going to be for the length of the contract. Right. And this is not an organization with any kind of like extended history of success. Right. You know, it's been they've had some nice years. They've had some really good players come through town. But this is still an organization that, you know, 25 years after moving there, still searching for an identity, still searching for something. And, you know, this is this is kind of it with John Chaka committing to these younger guys and saying, all right, we believe in the foundation that we've built. We drafted. We've developed. These guys are in the NHL. We believe in these guys. And they're getting ahead of it. They they have once again signed one of these guys long term a year before he becomes a restricted free agent. And I saw that there was some credit being given to him today on on the internets 
about him getting ahead of quote-unquote RFA problems. But to me, he's committing long-term contracts and big money to guys who haven't broken out. Chaika gets a lot of love on the internet, and I think he does very, very well at asset management in the moment. When you look at individual pieces of what he does, I think a lot of the time he's getting decent value. But when you put it all together and you look at the team he's built, Mm -hmm. and you can say, yeah, okay, he's built a solid team that struggled with injuries last year, but... The fact is, under Chica, that team has not taken major steps forward. Well, topped out at 86 points this exactly. last season. Yeah. And that was like, you know, the injury issues, it's, it's interesting when we get into that. Because when we talk about the Keller deal, that's part of it. Hey, there were so many guys that were hurt last year. You know, they their leading scorer for much of the season was Brad Richardson. Yeah. they <laughs> Did they even have someone who broke 60 points? I think they. I don't think yeah, they, they did. Had, like, I think they topped out at fifty eight or something. Right? I so. I don't. I, I honestly just don't remember. Yeah. Uh, but they they. I remember they were very very low scoring, uh, in terms of individual guys. It was very balanced, uh, and it's that, you know, it's hard to succeed that way. No, Keller. It was Keller last year that led them at forty seven. Forty. So they didn't even hit a fifty. Yeah. They That's had, brutal. They had 47 for Keller, OEL had 44, and Galchenyuk had 41. And then Vinny Hinostroza, Derek Stepan. And we talk about injuries, but all of their top six scores from last year played a minimum of 72 right. games. So you can you can say they were an injured bunch, but Keller put up 47 points in the whole season. In 82 games. Right. So Oliver Ekman Larson played 81, and then all those guys that I just named, their top six scores, a minimum of 72 games played. So... You're looking at 47 points in a full season, even if his teammates were injured. You're going, boy, is that really what he can produce individually? Yeah. And now, well, it's 65 the year before, right? And he, he has done more. There is something there. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you're feeling like, hey, there's a good out. You know, he shot seven percent last year, and so you're you're feeling like a guy that's skilled. This feels very anomalous. It does. And so it's easy to buy into. Okay, well, we gave him a long term deal. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be great value by the end of it. But year eight, you know, eight years from now, we have no idea what the salary cap True. looks like. the 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 idea that this is an overpay today isn't really that big of a deal because by year eight, right. forty five point players it, right. might be making seven million dollars. My my trouble with it is. When you start getting into the conversation of seven million right now, definitely those are the deals that can get you in trouble if it doesn't work out. If Keller yeah. goes up and puts forty five points up this year, and you're staring down the barrel of that contract, yeah, you're going, oh no, yeah, because because and this this is this is a great point here. This is really a nine year deal, right? Because the, he's got one year of the he ELC left. Yeah, it's like the Gerard situation where right. they signed it while, with the year remaining on yeah. his current one. And so this is really a nine-year commitment to, to Clayton Keller. Yeah. And we don't really see a lot of those in the NHL. You don't really see a lot of eight-year deals uh, outside of like like superstars. Right. It, the hot free agent like Artemi Panarin gets the full seven-year deal mm-hmm. because they go to UFA. But... Eight years are just, I, I guess Stone got one in Vegas. That's the last one that I can remember. Mm-hmm. But they're they're not rare, be, or they are rare, because 
players want to get to free agency. They yeah. don't want to take they want that to cash extra in. year. Right. Well, and this is where Arizona's gotten ahead of things. You right. know, they they signed Nick Schmaltz to the long term deal. They signed Christian Dvorak to the long term deal. Now Clayton Keller to a long term deal. And you can argue none of these guys have had like major breakout seasons. Like they've had good years. You know, Schmaltz had a had a had the solid fifty some odd point season in Chicago a couple years ago. Uh, but they, you know, they trade for him and, you know, good production, but yeah. limited time there. So you're you're really projecting a lot. And that's that's where they've gotten ahead of, hey, maybe these deals all end up looking great. And you're looking at their cap situation three years from now as a solid playoff team. And you're like, John Chaco knows what he's doing. He totally gets it. That The question is how much projection becomes too much because yeah. not every contract is going to work out the way you hope it does. Yeah. And for them, it's going to be, you know, maybe two of the three work out, hopefully three of the three in their eyes. But when it goes south on one of them, how are they going to manage that becomes well, the next question. We saw in Colorado multiple guys who had really good starts to their careers, but by the age, by by free agency age, yep, we're done. Right. I mean, you look at guys like Chris Stewart and Wojtek Volsky who were really productive. Yeah, fantastic players. Really, really good, like, bona fide top six guys. Maybe not, like, leaders. You know, they weren't the best guys on those teams. They certainly weren't, like, best guys on good teams. Right. But they were really productive players, and those guys are all done. By by free agency age, they were finished, man. I mean, Chris Stewart hung around for a while, but guys like Volsky... I mean, they were out of the years within a couple out of the con, out of the league within a couple yeah. of years of leaving well, the organization. Chris it's, Stewart was on a was a fourth line yeah, player. He was not an impact. Player. I think three years after he left Colorado, it may not even take him that long, right, for him to have worked his way down that lineup. You know, and so you can get you can get fooled by early career production and being like, oh well, this guy will just keep this up. You can. Uh, we will come back with. How that could play into the abs in a minute, but first I'm about to crack another Breck beer nice. here at the BSN offices, drinking the Breck Lager today, as Breck Brewery is our official beer. Breck is the original Colorado beer, established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. I'm sure you've heard of their vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and now we have these new ones, the Breck Lager and the Colorado Core, I believe is the other one we have in the BSN offices right now, and both of those are really delicious it's it's bad that i come in and have to podcast and then make sure i have to be able to drive home afterward. <laughs> <laughs> but it, they're really they have some great beers here including the strawberry sky which we have been telling you guys about it's a light-hearted kolsch ale or that light delicious summer beer that you've been looking for in these last few weeks of i guess it's still summer it was pretty warm today i mean we just said 100 degrees over the hall yeah i know Jeez, it was so hot at the start of the week but I thought we were finally past that. And unfortunately, took that immediate dip, gives yeah. you a little bit of hope. Now you're and back up into the 90s and you're like, "All right, whatever." But whatever. That's a good reason to go snag the Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any Breckenridge beer for that matter and make sure to keep an eye out for our Breckenridge event calendar at bsndenver.com with preseason about to get underway avs viewing parties aren't that far away really first watch party is scheduled you guys just don't know about it yet. there you go so you'll be hearing about that soon and you can rsvp once it's out there come drink breck beers with us and have a good time all right so it's time to talk about 
Tyson Jost in this situation? This is, you know, first of all, this is our last summer show. I know. We will be. I should, I should honestly get a beer. Cheers to you for getting through this whole summer with me. <laughs> Five shows per week. Oh, I having a blast the yeah, whole time. Man. Honestly, I'm. It, it actually for me, it went by really quickly. Yeah. Uh, when we think about it, it was like, wow, we did five shows the whole summer. I know. It's it's kind of crazy to we think we got about. through all of it. Yep. The abs helped us with a really busy summer, so they gave us lots to talk about. I guess we took Labor Day off. So that <laughs> we didn't really though. We recorded a show and then we just. Right. to switch some some technical right. side there were, stuff around. there were there was back end things going on yeah. and we just used the the labor day holiday as cover right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh but otherwise like the last the last time we did not have five shows per week was draft week because that friday that draft day uh i had been traveling i traveled all day thursday where we'd pre-recorded and that draft day we were just kind of like well there's nothing left to say we're just going to let the draft, the draft be the draft. The draft has to happen at this point. Although I will say, um, given what I had been hearing that day, I would have I would have had the top five right on <laughs> draft day. After months of not bone by. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, when, I, when I was at the arena, like, and you're you're walking around and you're talking to the league people all at once, yeah. was, was Stan Bowman loves Kirby Doc. And it was Colorado is going to take Byram if Doc is gone. And yeah, that's and the Trevor Zegras thing was still like hot. Yep. Teams were teams were making all kinds of overtures and Detroit was trying to trade up and because they wanted to get to Byram. And then when they couldn't when <laughs> settled they, for Cider. Right. At six. And then yeah. they and then they overdrafted Cider. It was a crazy day. Crazy day. I can't believe that was the beginning of of kind of this podcast partnership was back during draft season and yeah and now we're about to cover this whole season we've actually we finalized all of our plans today yeah um i'm very excited that we're gonna roll out all of those announcements tons of stuff coming in the next week uh about what our plans for coverage look like what the team will be what we'll be doing and then you guys will see us cover the the avalanche this year in a way that's never happened and that will include Tyson Jost, who is part of our training camp schedule. He is. And he's one of the players to watch this year. As an RFA next season, this Keller deal kind of sets the market for him in terms of the absolute upper ceiling if something goes crazy. Right. I mean, we've talked about it. He's a huge X factor for the abs. Yep. If he goes out and scores 45 points this year. Yep. Okay, well, Keller just signed for seven million. Right, scored forty-seven. That puts him that in my mind. If he goes out and scores forty-five plus this year, now if it gets into like sixties or seventies, we're having a different conversation. Obviously, but if he gets to forty-five, we'll we'll say forty-five to fifty-five, like right in that range. You're having the five million dollar conversation with with Tyson Jones because you just gave three and a half million. To JT Comfer for yep. 32 points. Yep. And, you know, not to relitigate that, but that's what's done. Like, that's... There's a comparable right, there now. There's kind of a market here, and after two mid-20-point seasons, you know, you look for the big jump. Tyson Jost could be the, the big test case. Did they learn from Ryan O'Reilly or not? Because that's what O'Reilly did. O'Reilly had 20... I think it was 26 and 26, and then... 
and then 55 in year three, where he more than doubled his career production in one year and then wanted to be paid all that money. Yeah. Now, that was during an era where bridge deals dominated RFA deals, and nobody gave RFAs long-term contracts. So a very different world. Yes. <laughs> but that's where that's where Tyson Jost has to be looking at that and saying, okay, if I have a 55-point season, if I if I go 20 and 35, first of all, something probably really good happens for the Avalanche the if that happens. The Avs are looking good this year if that happens. If, right. But. Uh, but, but he's also, okay, my salary range is somewhere between 3.5 and 7.15. Yeah, in, the, in there somewhere. And if you're just looking at it and you're like, okay, well. The middle is 5 Five million yeah. is right about, right right in that, you know, mid zone. Yep. That's where you have that conversation is that's, it sets up where the Tyson Jost market a year early kind of plays itself out. Yep. Uh, and, and helps you because then you don't get to next summer. Where there's a crazy RFA market and your guy's right in the heart of it, yeah. and you're sitting in the situation that you are with with Miko Ranton in today, which we'll talk about next segment. But with Jost, I think that he's your primary RFA now. Right. You know, you assuming Ranton gets done, and n- not even just Jost, but this is also Andre Burakovsky's market. That's because he's on the one year, right? Right, and so he's an RFA next summer as well. You're looking at Clayton. If he goes out and he scores 47 points, if he matches the Clayton Keller season, you know, n- neither one of those guys will have the 65 point year. Yeah. So we're not talking about seven million if they match Clayton Keller's year. We're not having that conversation. We're saying that that uh, that represents like the ceiling. Okay, that's as crazy as things will get for an eight year deal. Yep. They won't get anywhere near that. The, the highest any of these guys I think could get that you could justify would be six. And that would Even be that feels high, that yeah. would, and and that would be a huge leap of faith. Yep, because Burakovsky and Jost very similar situations. You know, Burakovsky back to back twenty five point seasons. Yep, Jost I think went twenty three and twenty six, and you know injuries have been an issue for both of them, and effectiveness have been an issue for both of them. If they both hit, first of all, Colorado probably wins the Central. Yeah, our top six is. Or the abs, rather, top yeah. six is is silly. It's that's best case scenario, because then you're talking about paying both of those guys long term, right? Like you're like, yeah, it's all of a sudden you're the abs top six is is set for <laughs> right. the future, <laughs> right? Like you're done. Kadri two C Jost on the wing, Burakovsky yeah. on the wing, and well, then... your 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 expansion list just just like right. set itself. You could protect one other guy; it doesn't right. matter, right? That and that, that that's where you like flip a coin between right. like Donsko and Comper, and you know, and then and then and then on defense, you're hoping that the Eric Johnson thing doesn't become Sorts a, itself a out, factor. Right. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's if that works out for the Abs, then. They don't have to make too many hard decisions. Let me uh, let me ask you this: Let's say they let's say they they both get fifty points. Sure, fifty point seasons, yeah. or let's we'll say fifty ish. Yeah, yeah. Like so, it could be like you know like forty six to like fifty four kind of range. So a fifty ish point season for both guys. Yep. How do you sort them out? I think you end up paying Burakovsky more there, 
because if he gets to 50, he's doing it scoring goals. Right. For sure. And you always pay for the goals, of right. course. Um, you can also, Burakovsky on his side of the negotiation there is going to say, look, I had these 30-point seasons, almost 40-point seasons earlier mm-hmm. in my career when I'm healthy. I think that'll help him make more money as well. Term. Term-wise is where it's tough. Do you repeat the comfort thing and kind of go middle of the road where you say, hey, four years is still a long-term contract in the NHL, but we're not married to this guy forever? I think you absolutely should with Jost because that keeps him as an RFA, I believe. Maybe it, maybe it's three, but either way. It would have to be, th- mm, it would have to be a three-year deal to sure. keep him as an RFA. Then you get one RFA you do, deal. One RFA year left. Jost, three-year RFA deal, fine. Get it done. I don't hate that. Uh, Burakovsky, you're going to need to be buying UFA years on. So with Jost, so say you give him that three-year deal, yeah. is the fear, like what's what's stopping you from a larger commitment? There's a fear driving that decision somewhere. Yeah. Is it that he never gets better? Kind of. And you... Is it regression? I don't think he's the type of player that would regress. I think... If he shows what he can do this season, that's going to be who he is. Okay. But until I see it, of course, it's it's hard for me to really buy in. Sure. But well, I mean, we're living. Remember, we're living in a theoretical world where he's yeah. got. He let's has say like he, fifty. Let's say he shown it. I wouldn't hate a five six year deal. Mm-hmm. You get a couple of RFA years that way, and if we're being realistic. This core is set up to to win over the next five to six years. Does where he succeed matter to you in terms of setting up a contract? So say he ends up as the third line center and not a wing in your top six. Yes. If he's the third line center and he gives you 50 or, or 45 points, first of all, amazing value out of that position. Yeah. Um, you just went out and got your own, like, not some cadre, basically. Um, but. Would you commit to him, or would you have more of a fear of committing to him long-term if he succeeds at center because you do have Shane Bowers and Alex Newhook? Absolutely. And you're saying, hey, if this guy takes a step back, I don't want to be married to him forever. If he scores 45 points as your 3C, put him on the block and ask for a top six winger. (laughs) Straight up. Okay. Um, Unless you have faith that he can why is that? move that production to the wing. But isn't, isn't if you could feel comfortable, would you feel comfortable that he could give you somewhere in that range of points every year from that spot? No. You know, and you would have, no, to, you'd have to feed him power play time. You would have like, to really like cater you to would, him. You would yes. have to kind of recreate the conditions that he will have had to have gotten them this year. Right. And that's where the Bowers and Newhook situation comes in. Because you're still going to have Kadri for two more years. Mm-hmm. And then by the second year of, of whatever Joe's next contract looked like, you're going to have New Cook coming in. Probably mm-hmm. Bowers before that, even okay. fighting for ice time. So even if Jost has that kind of season, you wouldn't say, well, hey, he can be our long-term kind of Kadri. We're like, we could, you could use the Kadri deal. I mean, obviously, it'd be yeah, very hey, outdated. If he wants to sign a $4.5 million deal and but, put up 45 points. Well, and I'm saying, like, what if, if you gave him, like, a five-year deal at $5.5 million per? Because, because the cap will have gone up, and, like, you know, for a 3C, 
we're already seeing those numbers starting to go up every year because centers get paid in the NHL. But for a 3C, if he has success there, you're more apprehensive. If he, I am. If he's, if, so if he succeeds on the left wing next the to Kadri, sure. then I'd you be would happy be comfortable to go going yeah. more term. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. Because that's just looking at the system, that's what I was curious about. Same question with Burkowski. It is. <laughs> if he succeeds, you know, there's no center question with him. But right. if he succeeds on the right side, what then becomes kind of your plan, if you will, for Martin Kaut? Because then you will have, you will have Miko Rantanen, Andre Burakovsky, and Jonas Donskoy on your right side, or JT Comfort. Like if something changes and he moves to the right, you you will more or less have your top three lines worth of right wingers kind of settled. I'm actually pretty comfortable with moving Donskoy to the left. I think he plays fine on the left side. Okay, and yeah. You're you're probably limiting the ceiling on Kaut by saying, "Look, you're you're never going to get past the third right wing," mm-hmm. but that's fine at least for the initial part of his contract. Would then that then set up Shane Bowers and Martin Kaut as like your kind of? Do you have here like young vision, gun line? Yeah, well, like kind of your vision of your yeah, third line right. moving forward. U- ultimately. That's that's where you end up. It you're, you'll you'll have a weird transitional period, but three years down the line, with what they have now, ideally you're looking at McKinnon one C, Newhook two C, Bowers three C, and then on the right, Rantanen one, probably Burakovsky two, and then Cow three. If everything okay. goes perfectly, then where does JT Comfort go? Left wing. But, I'd just throw him on the left. Okay, so he would just be like your. Colin Wilson, yeah. move him around right. wherever he's, he's, he needs to go. He's been that guy in his career already that he can okay. kind of just fill the role that you need him to do, and I think that's fine. Okay. And then Jost would be on your left side. Uh, yeah, left of Burakovsky if and he's producing. you would just let Kadri go after his contract yeah, expires. I, he just walks. If Newhook is ready, mm-hmm. you have no need for Kadri anymore. Okay. So that's, right. that's kind of what I was curious about with when we're talking about the Clayton Keller deal and some of the the impacts it might have uh, just in terms of money, because now you get an idea of what the money might look like. And then you can you kind of start, okay, filling in the years and how comfortable are you at certain price points? Because, Hey, if Tyson Jones wants to sign a five-year deal of $3 million today, I would do that. Yeah. At 3 it, million. Yeah. Absolutely. If he wanted to do it today. Yeah, totally. For three, which million, he's, which he's eligible to sign if he wanted to, yep. if they offered it to him, they, yep. he could like, that's a no-brainer where you're just like, there's no way you're not getting $3 million of value out of this guy over the next five years. Yeah. You can uh, you can tell we're excited to get into hockey season because our first segment for the last three shows has been half an hour long. <laughs> so we're going to get out of this first segment here. I got to pay a few bills because Chad with Houselift has an incredible, incredible service for you. If you or your friends are thinking of selling your house but it's not in a tip-top shape, you can go to houselift.com and they will show you how to maximize your profit. If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't have to pay for any of the costs for the remodel until after your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors, the design, and it will manage the costs as well. 
Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page. You can find both at houseliftcolorado.com and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from fifteen dollars to $60,000 more into their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they'll sell your home without charging a listing commission. Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast here with Nathan and AJ. We've talked about Keller. We've talked about Jost. It's time to talk about the big gun here. Miko Rantanen. I was going to say, I really don't want to talk about Mitch Marner. <laughs> Moscow Mitch is, is not Miko Rantanen. I don't need to talk about Marner anymore in his three-year, $9.5 million deal or whatever the what, latest what rumor is. What do you is. think that, uh, about that? It seems like having your cake and eating it, too. It's a really high salary, and for just three years, means he's going to get like paid, paid, paid again. The only thing is, like, how? What doesn't that just end up in the O'Reilly situation? Because he'll still be an RFA. Yeah, and for it's going to be year. the exact same thing the next time they have to have those negotiations. I think their hope is that they just kick the can down the road. Yeah, just get the, the three years out of it, right? And, and like, okay, we've got all these superstars on offense. You know, we get three years down the road and. You know, deal with it then. Well, yeah. their whole defense is up for renegotiation. You know, they're all on expiring deals right. except for Riley. Yeah. So they've got all that they will have the flexibility next summer, kind of pick and choose. Okay, which of these defenders worked out? What do we pay them? Can we get some of these guys to come back at like Cody Cece's not going to make four and a half next year. And Marner can't just drop a 95 point season on him out of the blue to get paid. Right. And like, you know, he had like, a, I think he had 66 points yeah, he uh, was, before that. He so was going like, to make good money. But you then, knew it was coming. Yeah. But obviously, when you have a season like that, it kind of changes the conversation. Right. Whereas with Miko, he more or less repeated the season that he had. Yeah. And that. I mean, that's a two-way street, right? Because you know he can provide that consistently, but right. that also means, hey, pay me to provide this consistently. So before we get into his contract, yeah, I want to talk about how you feel about Nathan McKinnon. Uh, what's not to love? Because, and not not like Nathan McKinnon, the player, no, but as I, Nathan McKinnon, the play driver. Yeah. Because when you get into the analytics of it, you know, you do have that dork on Twitter who posts the evolving <laughs> hockey chart yep. all the time. And, like, as much as I use those myself, um, you know, and, and I say, well, hey, here's information. Like, here's what he produced. Here's what this model says he is. You got to take them in context. Still. Right. And, and you can't be that guy that we saw on Twitter the other day who said that points, are, points don't matter <laughs> on an individual basis. They're irrelevant, which is insane. Because Not it's true, yeah. Because it's like you can't put Matt Calvert next to Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton next to Nathan McKinnon and get the same results. I mean, if you could, Matt Calvert would be making a lot more money. Well, and, and if you could, Nathan McKinnon would be making a lot more money. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Because if he could just turn anybody, and we've seen that, we've seen that play out with Connor McDavid right. in Edmonton. Exactly. The best player in the league can't just magically conjure up good teammates. <laughs> You've got to go get him some help. Yeah. It's. I am really curious because I do think ultimately at times, at minimum at times this season, you're going to have to break up McKinnon and Rantanen. Okay. You're going to have to at least try the Kadri rantanen thing. Okay. And why, why do you feel that way? Because I feel I feel like you have to try Landis Scott Kadri first. And you might. I, but there's going to come a point where if the second line goes cold, Production-wise, mm -hmm. 
McKinnon and Randon going off together is great, but you're going to need that depth production. Okay. And so how how would you set it up? I would put Kadri next to Ranton and obviously, mm-hmm. and then, I mean, so the reason I think that this is going to happen is because Burakovsky is struggling on that right side. So you end up, don't probably aren't going to want to put Burakovsky next to McKinnon. Because he's not going already. You're probably looking at moving him down. Perfect world. You'd love to put Jost up there and slide maybe Don Skoy over on the left side. So you're running Don Skoy, Kadri, Rantanen, Landeskog, McKinnon, Jost. Okay. That's all over the board, but okay. Yeah, I know it's a lot. I know it's kind of everything, but... Well, it's a lot of it's a lot of guys doing things that they don't normally do. Yeah, well, like you're more comfortable with Donskoy on the left I, than I yeah, am. I, I have uh, no because well, with he that. had he had Evander Kane on his left all of last year. Yeah, and so that's that's why I'm like I'm I need to see Donskoy on the left before I'm convinced. But like we've seen a lot of these wingers be interchangeable sure. on the side. So like it, this is not my sticking the, point with the idea. The big one there is Jost on the right. I think. Which and, we have not seen. Yeah, you, you're just throwing darts in, yeah. in the dark there, but. At if, that point, you're just like, we want this guy in our top six, right. and like he's just got to move around. Yeah, and if Burakovsky works out and you can move him there instead, great. And I yeah. do it if you can. Um, but I really would you consider opening that way? No, no. You 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 are a top line first guy. Yeah. Okay. Run the three headed monster until you have reason not to. Okay. I mean, fair enough. I can't argue with that. I I would disagree in how I would approach it, but there's no, like, I can't prove you wrong. (laughs) You can't just take one of the best top lines. And I mean, for me, I think it's just that you have it. Yeah. And you know it's always there. Right. They fall back on type thing. Right. And so, like, try something else. Sure. During preseason and training camp, just to see if it starts working, if they click, because it costs you nothing, knowing that you can always put that top line back together. I wouldn't hate it through some of preseason. But at the same time, having the top line there yeah. sets the tone top down for right. your forward core where you're like, okay, here's our, here the are heat. our big guns. Yeah. You guys need to step up and help these fools. And that's and if you're moving Ranton and down to the second line, I think that's where you're really, really asking him to shoot the puck. Yeah. As much Which as Which you and possible. I have talked about a lot. Yeah. Increasing Ranton in shooting... Yes. Is a good idea because he's shown that he's he's a very, very good shooter. Right. And so getting him into the 220 shot range, which would be a big jump up, you could be getting a 40-goal guy. Right. I'm perfectly happy to have Ranton and shoot more. And that's the mentality you have to have if you're putting him next to a Kadri and a Donson. Do you think Kadri is enough of a distributor to get that, to pull that out of Ranton in? Because... You know, we had Dario and Jesse in here the other day. Yeah. We both felt a lot more comfortable about his distributing of the puck than I did. Yeah. Uh, where I I feel like he is more of a, Kadri is more of a shoot-first center who can be a playmaker, but it's not where his natural tendency lies. I, I, I agree. That's I compared him to McKinnon, I think, in that same way, where yeah. he wants to have the puck and create for himself. Yeah. And Ranton is not the type of player to clean up garbage goals. And that naturally opens up space elsewhere when you are a shoot-first kind of guy. But that's where I like him with Donskoy on the left. I think Donskoy is a good distributor. Mm -hmm. I I will agree with you If you move him to the left side, he can lean into that even more. Okay. And and that's a, a pairing that I wouldn't mind seeing. 
but you have to make sure that you know the game plan going in. And maybe, you know, I don't hate the idea of Rantanen feeding Kadri either. Rantanen has proven he can very well set up players. Right. And well, you know, I feel like at this point, he's a guy that you pencil in for 40 assists. Yeah, easy. He's 255 assist seasons back-to-back right. now. And, and that's why I say 40, because right. if you take him away from McKinnon, yeah, you never there might know. be some drop there. There there very well could be. and But you're trying to do it to, to pull more goals out of him. So exactly. it's not like the points necessarily drop, just that they come in a different fashion. Right, right, exactly. And if you try him there and you know he's just not the type of player that wants to pull the trigger that much... Mm-hmm. You maybe just say it's not going to work, and, okay. and you live with that, and then you try Landeskog on that line or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you can get him to threaten 40 goals, especially with that one-timer, or honestly just every shot he has from that right circle is just right. disgusting. So if you can set up consistently to feed him in that spot, maybe not quite to like OV levels, but you want Kadri to be looking to feed him when he can. Yeah. And I think everyone would benefit from that. So knowing that you only have so many shots to realistically go around. Yeah. What are you trying to get guys to? Are you just letting McKinnon do his thing and you say, hey, go and get me 350 every year? Yeah. I Okay. McKinnon has I would agree. free reign to do whatever he wants. Right. As your number one like elite play driving yeah. top line center that's just coming off of uh, 80 goals in the last two years. Yep. You know, you... <laughs> You don't need to get too Do cute you, there. Bro. Just you. Yeah. let him keep going. Um, but it's the guys around him because you're right. trying to create off. You're trying to create more goals scored and more balanced distribution uh, on your offense yeah. to make you harder to defend. You've got to generate the shots. You then. do, and that's that's. It's kind of like in in baseball where the point is to generate runs. Right. The point here is to generate goals. The best way to do that is to have your shooter shoot as much as they can. You don't want them taking away from each other. Yep. So, and that's where Landeskog comes in as a really valuable piece because his ability to tip pucks, if yes. he can continue that, and his, uh, he's always been a really underrated playmaker. He really has He's been always been like a 35 assist guy, like easily, right? Well, he has that ability to drive, keep the puck on his stick, and hold someone off. Mm-hmm. And that opens up so much space. And, and he's got good vision. Yeah. He's always been an underrated passer, I feel like. We've never... I feel like it just as a whole, he, Avs coverage has not talked about that enough it, over his he's career. He's not the highlight reel passer, right? He right. just makes the pass through the hole, and it, it's right to the guy's tape, so you don't really – it's right. not like, wow. It looks easy. But, yeah. you, it, it looks it's – the, it's the great play that the if you got out there and you tried to make it, you'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's impossible to actually do. But, but yeah, I, I, we talked about Ranton and him and Burakovsky are the two that the Abs should absolutely be feeding shots to as much Outside as possible. of just letting Nate be right, Nate. Right. McKinnon's going to do his thing. So then you want to you want to set up Burakovsky and Rantanen as your primary shooters with Kadri right. I think kind of also in that yeah, Kadri, category. Kadri if he's hot you just give him the McKinnon role of go do your thing kid. Right. And if if he's struggling, then maybe you try and work a little bit more of say, hey, look, you have Rantanen to work with here, mm-hmm. things like that. And then Landeskog, you is is kind of like a you can just kind of fit yeah. him in where he needs. Landeskog be. is super easy to play with pretty much anyone mm-hmm. that we've seen so far, so I I'm not worried about where he fits in at all. With the increased depth, this is something we have not. I don't believe we've talked about all summer. Yeah. With the increased depth, 
would you try each of them on a different line? So McKinnon with Burakovsky, Kadri with uh, Rantanen, and then Landeskog on the left side with Jost in the center, and then you can fill in from there. I'd be willing to give it a try. Because, like, say, you know, and, and minutes obviously kind of determine, like, what's your first, second, and third line. Right, of course. But running those kinds of duos, you would run them kind of evenly. Yeah, and when you're when you're doing a situation like that, you're going to end up blendery a little bit. You're going to see people sure. switch lines and, and take shifts together and things. But I would be, I wouldn't mind that. We've seen Landeskog and Jost's was a thing that looked solid for mm-hmm. a good stretch of last season. Well, and then, so throw Comfort on that right yeah, side. absolutely. And then on that top line with McKinnon and Burakovsky, throw Donskoy. Yeah. And then on that second line with Kadri and Rantanen, you would throw Colin Wilson. Yeah, and you could make that work. I... I wonder if Kadri is the the rock that we think he's going to be on the second line for mm-hmm. the Avs, then yes, I I think that would be very very interesting. You have Kadri creating Ranson and getting fed and, and mm-hmm. Wilson doing his thing net front. He already right. knows how to digging, work digging pucks and distributing, yeah. which is what we've seen him do well and all of his goals come from within 5 feet of the right. net. Right, exactly. Where he's just either banging pucks home or, you know, on rebounds or tipping pucks or whatever or he's Taking passes from his talented, more talented line mates, setting him up. Yeah, and and then you could throw out that Landeskog Jost Comfer line, and nobody's going to want to play against that ever. Right. And I mean, the forecheck on that line alone yeah, just, is just it's if it's if we get the Tyson Jost we saw at the end of last year, where he was hard on pucks, right. and he created all kinds of havoc in the postseason. Then that guy with Landeskog and Comfer, I think that's a very very high end third line. Yeah, uh, it's. But how much would you be nerfing Landeskog for the right. sake of that? Exactly, you would be you would be curtailing Landeskog, particularly offensively. I, I think if you're doing that, you're you're gonna be using that line probably more defensively angled. Although you could with Kadri, if Burakovsky works out like he's billed as somewhat, which I'm not as convinced as others about his defense. By I, the way, yeah, I'm pretty skeptical, but. Yeah. To be determined. Though. Yeah, right. And Burkowski's really going to have to show a lot this year. He's got a lot to prove. The the Why I don't know if that will work for the Avs is because they have already built a fourth line to just shut down mm-hmm. other teams top to bottom. So are you really going to be asking for another gritty, not fun to play against line of Landeskog, Jostin, Comfer, or, or something like but that? But with that offensive upside that those guys give you, I feel like that... It gives you the option to, you don't want to roll out that fourth line too much. Yeah, it would definitely be something I could see to raise the level across the board. If you're mm-hmm. playing against like a super, super top-heavy team like Dallas or something, and you're looking to take advantage of those depth shifts, those third-line shifts against a team that just is not icing the greatest bottom mm-hmm. six, that's where it would be interesting. Okay, but then against a Nashville, you'd want to go... Top yeah, heavy no, versus top the, heavy. Give him the top three and and, okay. and bring it and and force Matt Duchesne. Yeah, you got to handle McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, right, exactly. Okay. I just think that's that's an interesting part. Before we get into the the Miko contract stuff, yeah, I think that's an interesting part of the conversation is how much you can separate Nate and Miko and kind of their production and if it even really matters. Yeah, it's you know if. 
if Rantanen proves he can produce at the same rate away from McKinnon this year, um, watch out is all I'll say. I mean, I feel like there's a phrase for that. Uh, yeah, I, I think there might be. <laughs> um, it might be time to call Rantanen game-changing <laughs> and tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it, it's done it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we really could not recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. I feel like I kind of took that alley-oop and slammed it off the rim, but it was close. We almost got there. I feel like it, you slammed it off the rim and went straight up and still went in. Yeah, okay, close enough. We'll be back in segment three with the ranting and conversation. <laughs> Third and final segment of the final BSN podcast of the summer for the Avs. Tomorrow's show will be on the ice. We will have something to talk about as far as players doing things that matter. Cannot wait, but for now, someone who is continuing to wait for a contract is Miko Rantanen. Sounds like things are progressing. They've had talks, but it's not over till it's over. Yeah, you know, doing some digging around on this, it's funny to hear the national guys say that there's not, huge a huge gulf Yeah. Here. Uh, because when I've when I've talked to people, that's not really the sentiment that's been expressed to me. That they feel good that longer term is what they're after. You know, obviously the Abs would love eight. Yeah, I don't know that the Abs are going to get eight. Nobody ever does, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, but. I I don't. I I mean, I for for proven guys, you don't right, get eight. Right, right. You know, very often. I think I think this one's coming down to six or seven. Okay. Uh, because again, Colorado wants the long term. Miko wants the long term, but his agent also has to do right by him. Right. His agent also has another client that he's helping set the market for at the same time, in Patrick Line. Yep. So you know his agent has a lot at stake here as well, and you can't just ignore those factors. Right. Unfortunately, they matter. Yeah. Um, I do. I do get the sense just from having some conversations in recent days with people that. This price tag is not as, you know, it's just not as high as we thought it would be. We spent most of the summer saying, hey, 10 would be fine with us. Yep. If you'd offered him 10 by by eight years and he says no, then, hey, a 21-year-old kid, I think he's 22 now, um, turned down an $80 million. Power to him at that point, right? Right. Like, at that move, that's a power move. Yep. Because you're trying to get paid more at some point. And, you know... That would be okay, um, but it sounds like the team has not gone quite that far, and yeah. it really does sound like this is more in that like Sebastian Ajo range, you know, which at eight point four five I think is lower than where Rantanen will land, and yeah. at five years I think is shorter than where Rantanen will land, but I don't think it'll be too far off of nine. And I would say six to seven years is probably likely, uh, just given that both sides are invested in a long-term deal. 
and not having to do this dance again anytime right. soon. I mean, nine something for seven. What was you and Jesse made a bet at the start of the year that it would be seven years or under under nine and a half or something? He still owes me that steak dinner. Yeah, right. I exactly. need to hit him up yeah. actually. <laughs> there you go. Because he said it would get signed during the season. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, but and I told him no. Yeah, I said it would go into September. So I one I, steak dinner. Yeah, please. I got. I, yeah, I'm hungry right now. Where is it? Well, yeah. At least for me, if they had signed Ranton in in December to nine and a half million by seven, I'd have said fine. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive. It's right. real money. Right. It's superstar but, money, so now he has to be a superstar. Exactly. All the pressure suddenly is on for him to do that all the time. Yeah. But it's reasonable. But so what? Yeah. Like, after 80-point seasons like that, you know, in in early 20s, you know, Toronto fans love to justify the Austin Matthews contract by saying, hey, he's a huge goal scorer. He drives play, and he scores 40 goals a year as a, you know, at, at his age. It's yep. super rare. Yep. Hey, Miko Rantanen just had back to back eighty five. What he had eighty four and eighty seven, I believe, the last two yeah, years. Yep. Uh, and and would have scored ninety if health. Right. This season. And has missed some games, yep. and then turn around and led your team in the playoffs in yeah. scoring. So you know it's it's you can you can pick at at the the fancy stats all you want and say. Well, he doesn't drive play. Well, he's not worth that. Well, he's not worth that. But the guy produces. Right. And the guy produces in in the postseason as well. And you can't just you can't just turn your nose up at that and say, oh, well, you know, that doesn't matter. And, and one of the big arguments we hear against that is, oh, well, he's only doing it because he's next to McKinnon. Well, show me anyone available on the market that will do that next to McKinnon besides Rantanen. Well, and and how long is Nathan McKinnon signed for? He's got another three years. He's got four, four more years. Four years. So yeah. he's not going anywhere. Yep. So if it's only, quote unquote, only as a result right. of Nathan McKinnon, well, guess what? You got four more years to put them together until you have to worry about Nate's deal. Yeah. And if they want to go and score 90 points a piece for the next four years, then that's worth nine and a half million or whatever it ends up being. Right. You're not going to sit there and be like, mm, but what about his expected goals against percentage? Right. <laughs> you know, like. If he goes out there and he's a point-per-game guy and he scores 30 to 40 goals for you per season, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, You're, you're having a positive impact if you're doing yeah, that. Yeah, that's what you're paying for. So yeah. I do want to ask you this question because yeah. I see this a lot, mm-hmm. that five years is a, is a disaster. It's a loss for them. I don't like five years. I don't think it's a disaster. Why? What's the difference between five years and six years? It's not necessarily true but when you sign a player to a five-year contract like that the perception is he's gonna leave he just gave you half of a decade he did but five years gets you to ufa faster than six it shows i he's want a ufa after six though i know he is a ufa after six but it the perception is that comes across as someone more committed to the team if you do it five or or even worse four. Well, I mean, I I feel like in like yes, the longer you sign a deal for, the more you're committed to right. the team. But like, but is it, is a four year deal bad? Well, it takes him to UFA, so yes. Six years takes him to UFA, right? Like you're not getting away from you, it takes him to UFA. But you get you could do three years if you want to keep him at RFA. 
So is paying the premium for one or two years of free agency doesn't feel worth it. It's just pay him the extra on his next contract. If you're going to go short term, go short. If you're going to realistically, how much more are you expecting that next contract to be? Uh, it could be fairly significant. It could well, and so if you have a, if you give him a five year deal now, yeah. and say put it at nine and a half, kind of like the Marner thing that we were just talking about, except it's five years. What's why is it at six? I guess is what I'm asking, or seven. Well, if he doesn't say yes, what if he says if he says yes to five? Are you are you going to are you are are you going to pass it up if he says if I want a long term deal, I'll only do five? No. If, he, if that's what it is, it's what it is, and you take it. But if the option is, look, I'll do five, or you can pay me a little bit more and I'll do six or seven, mm-hmm. I would rather take the heavy on the pay side to get the extra years. Okay. I mean, I agree with you. I just I don't feel like five is the abject disaster I, that it gets I made out to be. Because he's going to be, if you get six years, he's going to be a UFA still. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a disaster. Just Obviously, you want to buy more right. UFA years several years in advance because you think that they will and be cheaper. Exactly. Unless Miko is saying, I'm only taking five as a maximum, I would ask, why would you do five when you could do six or seven? Right. And maybe the team says, you know, we don't want to go up into a certain number if it's going to cost us that to get seven. Right. You know, maybe seven or eight or yeah, whatever. You know, if he's asking twelve million or whatever insane yeah. number, but that's if you're keeping it within the realm of reality of what he would get paid and comparables, things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think the number for six or seven should be unreasonable. Say it's six years. Sure. What do you think is a fair number for both sides, where they both kind of come out feeling good about it, but neither side feels taken? Nine and a quarter. That's, get out of here. <laughs> I was literally going to say nine two five. Yep. Yeah, that's the number. Make it happen. See, uh, we don't. We did not plan that. <laughs> we did not come to this agreement beforehand. We just agree on things. Sometimes. <laughs> we just happened to to match up on that. So we need Jesse on here to, to yell about yep. being ten. Yep. Well, I wouldn't complain if it was ten. I would accept it. I yeah, me neither. Oh, if it, if it was ten at six, I'd be annoyed. A little, but if it's ten at, at seven or eight, Absolutely, then that's yeah. yeah, I'm not okay. Yep, pretty much. But I feel like I I would probably draw the line at seven if I went up to ten. I there's not I'd really that market, and there's not really that comparable. And he's a wing, and I think the fact that he's a wing is really it important matter, here yeah. because centers get paid more. And it seems like that gets lost in this conversation because the one guy who signed in Sebastian Ajo was a center. You know, none of the wings have signed, and that's obviously Marner signing would have been great because that would have, okay, well, that was the Set highest the scoring guy. the market all the way down, yeah. You know, you can, okay, that's the guy, 94 points last year, Miko did not. So you would expect a little, little, bit, little bit lower number, you know, even though the two-year totals are very similar. Yeah. Right in that same range, it would give you something to work with. Whereas the Ajo thing should help more for Braden Point. And when Braden right. Point signs, it should not have a major impact on Marner and Miko because centers, again, right. centers. Unless it's like an astronomical number or something. Which but... Tampa can't afford, right. so they could exactly. not do. Yeah, like exactly. They would have to do 
something else if they were going to give make him the room. Yeah. yeah, if they were going to get, and I feel like if they were going to give him a big, big number, it would be done. Yeah, because they would have been comfortable with it. They would have done whatever they had to do to clear that space, and they would have been like, "Screw it, we're going to give him this number." But if you're Tampa, you probably can't give him more than Stamkos. Yeah, I don't think there's enough room there. Is there really? I just, I just think you know, a couple years after that's a UFA deal. Um, it'd be really hard to give a guy with with the one season, the one elite season under his belt to to give him more than what Stamkos makes. Right. It, it's that same conversation you get into of how proven have is their numbers really? Mm-hmm. One ninety point season. Yes, you're probably going to be extremely good. But yeah. You could throw up 60 the next year. You don't right. Know. Like 90 point seasons typically aren't flukes. Right. Like you, when, when you talk about fluky offensive seasons, you're usually in like the 70s or in the 120s if you're Kucherov. But. Which, <laughs> sure, but like that's right. that's an elite player having a fluky season. 90 you know? points isn't usually an outlier. You're right. It's not usually like, and, and you see that with Mitch Marner where it's like, oh, well, he had so many. He only scored 24 goals last year. Yeah. So he's not going to have. You know what? You're going to count on that guy to to get you 60 or 70 assists every year, and like, yeah, it's a big ask. Yeah, it is. But he, you also like, is that guy crazy good or not? <laughs> He's pretty good. You know, yeah. are, are the guys that he fed last year are they going anywhere? Or are they all signed long term? Oh, they're all signed long term. Okay. I, I mean, we can hope they trade them, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. So with Miko, I just think. I would expect this to come in at six. Honestly, both sides are very motivated to get it done before training camp gets going. Yeah. I'd love to see him get it done this week. Miko can get into the, the right. area. He can go get through prepped. the visa issues and he can, you know, he can right. get into Denver. Be maybe ready get to into go. a captain's practice or two. Yeah. Is skating in the altitude and then be ready to rock for uh physicals on Thursday next week. Yeah. Absolutely. I- it's great that it sounds like a situation that both sides want to get finished. Yeah. And, and even if it does end up drifting into training camp or, or whatever. How, how bad is that, in your opinion? Because some people are, oh, he, well, and then he won't be ready. Honestly. If two days' worth of training camp is the difference yeah. between a guy being able to contribute early in the season and not, we are vastly underrating the importance of NHL training camps. We've talked about how the preseason is too long anyway. <laughs> right. So... He doesn't play in the first two. Oh no, he has to play in the last three games of of this the preseason. Whatever, right? A couple of days isn't going to matter if you start drifting into weeks. This is what I'm like. Quite where where's the line for you? Where this goes from? I'm real. I'm still not really that worried about this. To okay, we have a problem. Game preseason game one, I think, is a pretty easy marker. Okay, of if it's not done at that point. It's a four-day camp this year, mm-hmm. so that would be day five. You're starting to drift towards week two of, of mm-hmm. missing actual on-ice things at that point. And that's when I would start to wonder, why isn't this done yet? Yeah. Because we always, you know, deadlines spur action. Right, And exactly. as soon as you get past that deadline, then, you're, then yeah. you're looking at the next deadline, which yeah. is opening night. Right. And you're saying, okay, well, now it's October 1st and he's not signed. Yeah, exactly. and you have a major problem on your hands, right? If if Rantanen is in jeopardy of missing the Avs opening night game, that's a serious, serious issue. Yeah, <laughs> because even if Val Nichushkin has a great bounce back year, 
there is not a universe where he replaces Miko Rantan. Well, and we saw last year, Nylander carried on until the last day. Yeah. He signed like seven minutes before the right. December 1st deadline. Yep. And it was a totally lost season. He never got going. He was not good. That, a much bigger deal. Very. It's, especially in, in a situation where it doesn't sound like there's any reason for it to get that far. Right. If it's, you know, 500K one way or the other, that's that's you've separating. Give, and just get it done. Yeah, yeah you've got to give to get the guy in there. Yep. Like, you gave JT Comp for 500K too much. What are you doing with Miko Ransom? Like, right. why are you getting cute with this? If you're trying to to pinch pennies, but you're spending dollars, it's, it's right. a problem. I would say the the one thing where the team needs to hold their ground, though, is on term. Yeah, right. Because if Mike Liute, who is the the agent here, uh, if he if he rolls out and he's like, oh well, we'll do a six year deal, but for ten and a half million. That's when you say no. It's it's well, seven, and, and that's when you grind. Yeah. Where you're like, look, we're thinking more like nine. Yeah, sure. And then work the the cash down for the for the same term, right? And then once you agree on the money, and then start working on structure. Yeah, whether it's upfront or right, however they want to do the bonus, and yeah. you know, <clears throat> excuse me, I do wonder because mentioning this is the last point I want to make before we get out of here. Yep, I do wonder how much the players' association talking about the CBA and the potential opt out and the deadline being that. next yeah. week. Knowing whether or not they're going to have a lockout, you know, maybe some of these RFAs want to wait just for the structure. Maybe they've got some, maybe they're in the neighborhood on the money, but they're waiting on the structure to know if they're going to need big paychecks in a potential lockout year. Because if it's, if it's 2020 or 2022, you know, you want to set it up a certain way. Of course. We've already seen contracts pretty ironclad just mm-hmm. in case of yeah. a situation and, and once you're this close to the deadline why not wait and see right you know i think there's good reason for ranton in to wait until the 15th which is the opt-out date for the players association right and you know that it's inconvenient for the avalanche but the reality is that's because just, that's that third day of right camp. they're already they're knee deep in camp at that point but if you're hold out the day before camp what's another two days if right? that's for something that, if that's something that he's waiting for right. and he just wants to say hey i just want to make sure it sucks that i'm gonna miss camp yeah uh and but the team can live with that okay hey it sucks that you miss camp but like you're here for the whole preseason and we'll, we'll get we'll a contract get, done it's right and okay the 15th comes you know that you're not doing it okay now you structure it this yeah. way right you know you don't have to worry about a fat check coming to you in 2020 because you might be locked out. Right. We'll give it to you in 2022 instead. <laughs> so, uh, you know, because at, at this point, you're two weeks away from it. Yeah. You could, he can just be like, well, I just want to make sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you sign a year in advance, you're just like, I don't care. Right. You know, and, and you get put the, in the insurance and, and right, it doesn't. Or you, or you get the, the structure that you want then anyway. Right. That's fine. Yeah. I do, I do wonder about that aspect of it, just because so many conversations about how the, you know, players are are upset about this escrow stuff. Yeah, they're really upset. I've talked to a couple of Avs players who have told me that the number one thing about the next CBA negotiations from the player side is escrow. Yeah, so maybe that does have something to play into it. It's we'll have to wait and see, and that's the unfortunate part with these contract negotiations yeah. is they're just not done until they're done. Yeah, I don't. 
I really don't envision a world where this becomes a major, major problem yeah. for them. If it does get into training camp, it's the wrong kind of distraction. Right. For a team that's on the up and up, that's trying to fall, hey, we need to, we need to, great, we've made the postseason two years in a row. Now we need to, like, make it solidly. We need to spend the last month jockeying for position, not desperately just trying to stay involved in the race. This is the wrong, that's the wrong kind of tone to start the season with when one of your star players is holding out. It's just not how you want to go into the year. You know, you can overcome it, and then by December, it, wouldn't, it may not be a big deal anymore, and you guys are rocking and rolling, and it's whatever. But it, you just you want to go in laser focused. We care about winning. Everybody's here. Everybody's on board. Let's go. The okay. Avs have to be very motivated to get that attitude in their room. And I think that's a great spot to end the pod right there. Uh, the Avs have one thing left to do as far as offseason is concerned, and that's get Ranson and done. As always, thank you for listening. Tomorrow's show will be the first episode of Rookie Camp for the Avs. Well, there's only one day of Rookie Camp, so we'll have an episode on Rookie Camp, and then, AJ, I guess you'll be in Anaheim after that to cover the Rookie Tournament. Uh, I will be. So yeah. I'm really excited. Tomorrow's show on ice. Uh, hoping to have Dario back on, maybe another voice or two. Yep. Uh, depending on who all is there, How who it all shakes has, out. Yeah. has stuff that they really want to say. Yep. Um, really, really excited to get to the on ice stuff, though, because this is the kind of the official start of the season for us. Yeah. For the Avs, it's media day. Yep. When they take their physicals and everybody dreads that day, <laughs> and we all kind of stand around awkwardly and answer the same, you know, ask the same questions to five guys. Yep. But I'm for us, it's this, you know, and for once, like this year. We've got guys, you know, we've <laughs> right, got there are we've, people there's there's there are a lot of meaningful guys who are not here, here, but not part of the NHL plans and here, but part of the NHL plans Yep. and big stories, lots of different stuff. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, I'm super excited as well. I, I really cannot wait to get into the on ice stuff. So hope you guys are looking forward to it as well. And you will hear from us tomorrow. The Colorado Golf Association is dedicated to preserving, improving, and serving the game of golf here in Colorado. And right now they're conducting their annual Dream Golf Vacation Raffle. Ed May, Executive Director of the Colorado Golf Association, gave us some more info on what exactly you can win if you enter. We had six grand prizes this year and 40 plus other prizes. So the, the big ticket items, so to speak, or the grand prizes are a trip to the BMW Championship, including VIP access, thanks to our partnership with BMW. Uh, we have a trip to Streamsong. We have a trip to Bandon Dunes. We have a trip to Sand Valley. And then we have what I think might be the coolest, a chance to take an, uh, a 7 Series BMW down to Telluride to play in a CGA-only event. The raffle tickets will go on sale on our website, coloradogolf.org. Tickets are $40, and you know all the proceeds from the raffle are going to support youth development in the state of Colorado. So you're making a great donation to a great cause, but you're also having a chance to uh, really have a fantastic dream golf vacation. For a chance to win, be sure to go to coloradogolfassociation.org.